Amen. If you have a, a Bible with you, turn to Colossians chapter 1. You can look on your device. You can also look on the screen. Uh, the first question, actually, I had it from a few people. Isn't every Sunday Jesus Sunday? Yes, and if we believe what the Bible says about Jesus, every hour, every minute, every second of every day belongs to him. What's our first grace anchor? Anybody know it? Jesus is most important person in the room. It's our way of gathering around what we know to be true from Scripture to say he's the most important person in the room. But the problem is we don't necessarily believe that all the time, do we? It isn't a real. Amen. It isn't a reality all the time. In fact, some days we keep him in separate rooms. Like we have our main rooms and then we say, Jesus, can you just wait there? For some, it's this room. Jesus stays here for you. Stay there. I'll visit next week. Others, we have him in our house. Some, he's not in our house at all. We're like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. But sometimes we keep him in special rooms. Now, it may have a comfy chair. It may have a warm blanket and you get your cup of whatever. And you, but then you kind of leave. And he doesn't necessarily follow you. I mean, he does, but you don't necessarily recognize that he's in every room. Sometimes I keep Jesus in the attic. I remember my dad he was, had several of us, it was after we were married, um, and so my brothers-in-law, and they said, we want to go up to the attic and get, what do you store in the attic sometimes? Christmas decorations. So there's boxes, you pull them out once a year, and I remember we go up there, and it's, it's an attic. And it was, wasn't until I got to Minnesota where I have attics where you actually can stand up fully in older houses, but like, our attic's like this. What are you doing? You're like, and my dad... In his signature self, was like, don't step there. God, no, don't, don't walk. Th- you'll fall straight through, <laughs> right? Because addicts have sometimes boards and, and planks laid over for where the boxers. So it's like, let's put some boards over there. Okay, the Christmas boxes. And then here's the path you follow. Or, you know, in my house, it was a brick ranch. It was super hot up there. And so it was this. We were like over the rafter, this rafter, and there's insulation, and it's itchy. So Jesus, why don't you stay here? I'll visit when I need to, but I don't want you necessarily in every room. So question for you, where is Jesus in your house? Is he even in the house? Do you ask him to leave main rooms and head to the attic when friends come over? And when you go up there to visit him, is it more like going through old memories? Boxes of stuff, pieces of your past, things you don't use anymore? Stuff that you take out only on Christmas? Do you feel like sometimes when it comes to Christ and following him that it's a little bit like walking over rafters? And if you step somewhere, you just might fall through and it won't last to where you feel like, you know what? I could use a little bit more solid foundation. Can we put some subfloor down? Maybe even some hardwoods on top of that subfloor. Hey, why don't we sheetrock the walls and add some lights? And can we live up here? In fact, Jesus, why don't you just come on down to every, the price is right. Come on down, Jesus. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why don't you come to every room? 
The Bible is a treasure not only because it talks about Jesus on every page, but because it also lets you walk around the houses and more particularly the attics of other people as they have tried to make the same decision of what do I do with the fact that my faith feels like I'm walking over rafters where it feels like I could fall through at any point. And so you're gonna get invited into a house today. It's Paul's house, it's small, but you're invited. It's not exactly comfortable. There are guards there. There are chains, wrists and ankles, if you wanna be in Paul's house. It's in a city where most of the people don't like you for following Jesus, but you're invited. Come on down. Paul says, as you walk in, I want you to picture Paul. He's been there for two years. I mentioned this in a couple sermons ago, but some of you weren't here. He was chained to a guard 24 hours a day. A Roman guard was within four feet of him all the time for two years. Hey, how's it going, buddy? Good to see you. An enemy, pretty much which we find out later, a lot of those guys came to know Jesus. Okay, just think about that. It's not how I would be thinking about the, the guard who was there to guard me because I was following Jesus. I'd be mad at him. So he's there, he's got calluses on his arms, on his wrists and his ankles from the, the clasps of the chain, the iron that's been there for years. There are calluses upon calluses. There are new sores because it's kind of opened the wounds again. If there's ever a moment that you could take a day off, be a little ornery when it comes to your walk with Jesus, maybe this is the day. You walk in and you overhear a conversation. There's somebody else there. His name's Timothy. He was there helping. He was there helping to write down some of the letters. In fact, the very letter we're going to read today. And you overhear this conversation and it's an addict conversation. It's a difficult circumstances conversation. It's about potentially falling through the ceiling of your own attic. And Timothy says to Paul, you know what? It's been two years. I don't think you're getting out of here. Are you sure about this whole Jesus thing? I won't hold it against you. If for one day you let fly a few unseemly words, if you get angry just for a little bit, I mean, you're in prison. You've been in prison for two years. I know you had a vision of Jesus a couple of years ago. Who's to say that wasn't dehydration? Weren't you on a trip? Damascus, was that what it was? Was it hot? Did you fall off the horse? Did you hit your head? Maybe you saw Jesus, maybe you didn't. Paul, it's really okay to sit one day out, to have a bad day. Listen, forget what I said about the vision of Jesus. I know it was real. Of course I know it was real. I'm a believer too. But you've written so much already. By this time, he'd written the book of Romans. He'd written Ephesians. Like there's stuff that's been churning out from Paul. And so Timothy's basically saying, it's all right. You ever do that with a friend or a family member? It's okay. You can have a bad day. No big. It's kind of saying that. Why don't you rest? I mean, I read that Romans letter. I didn't think that thing was ever going to end. It was so long. Take a break. Just lean back. We can write more tomorrow. A smile across Paul's face. Timothy, pick up the scroll, pick up the pen, the quill, and let's keep going, okay? 
I, I have something brewing from the spirit, something stirring that I want to get down. Our brothers and sisters in Colossae, Colossians Church, they need to hear this. And apparently so do you, because you're doubting today. And so do I. And then I want you to imagine Paul, here's the conversation you've been listening. And then all of a sudden he turns and he goes, oh, hey, welcome. Come on over. Clean, sit down, listen in. You're welcome to be here. Colossians 1, 15 through 17. We're only reading six verses today. I lost my place. Come on. There it is. Colossians chapter one. Imagine Paul sitting in irons and chains two years now in the house, chained to a guard, definitely allowed to have had a few moments of being anxious, upset, doubting, you know, normal addict stuff. And here's what he says. Verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. Firstborn of all creation for by him, all things, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. I'm not sure if you've ever had this happen to you, but there's one thing to know and to understand and to logically go, okay, okay, I'll get what you're saying, I get what you're saying. There's another place where it goes past your head and into the depths of who you are, where you're like, whoa, somebody just laid a board across the rafters in my attic. I can stand on this. This actually makes sense to me. It was this set of verses. I was in junior high, middle school, my voice was just changing from boy to man. So squeaky, a little bit, kind of squeaky. And Christmas morning, we have routines. You got routines where we would have a breakfast and we would light the candles, you know, and it's like, ooh, I want to light it, play with fire. Yes, please, um, as a young boy. And so my mom handed me a Bible with a verse bookmarked. And, and as we lit the Christ candle, she said, Chad, read this. And I read, he is the image of the invisible God. And even as a boy with my voice squeaking into manhood, something was happening. Something was happening. Just reading God's word was starting to change me. Even at that age, boards, subfloor, laying some foundations for me to stand on. In my heart, I knew the answers, but knowing is not the same as knowing and being known of loving and being loved. So as I often do this week, as I studied this, and I want to tell you, this was hard this week. This was hard this week. Difficult. I had several people praying for me. I was like, what is going on? And I think part of it is just significant. Whenever we give you an opportunity to say something out loud for Jesus, there's the enemy's like, uh-uh, no. And so it was hard. It was difficult. So what I often do, and when you read something like this, sometimes you read commentaries and I'll be honest, like the commentary people, they like those guys like want to try to say everything. And I read it and I'm just like, this, you're killing me. Like I, should, I literally talk to them in my office sometimes. I'm like, stop it. It's too much. 
So I asked Jesus, and I tell you to do this, whenever you listen to somebody, whenever you spend time with him, you just say one thing, just one. Just give me one thing. That's all I need today. So I said, highlight, Lord, for me, one thing. Ironically, here's what he highlighted. Next one. Actually, do the next one. There we go. All things. All things. All things. All things. It was like the Lord was like, like it was a siren and like blaring headlights in my face. I was like, got it. All things, all things, all things created by him, in him, for him, through him, and in him, they all hold together. I was like, got it. (laughs) Listening, Lord, if I were to ask you today to list for me some things that bother you right now, could you do it? Oh yeah. I bet some of you are like, just let me get it out. I've got my list right now. Things that are bothering us. And my list, yeah, it exists too. It's difficult. Pieces that we're carrying around. Difficult things we're traversing across our faith in this world. And we're like, no, back. Okay, not that was too far. We feel it. We have our list. Lord, how can you make sense of these things? We look at people and we say, Now that guy, that guy, he has got it together, right? I got to wear what he's wearing. I got to eat. What is is he eating? What did he drink? Oh, okay. No caffeine. Okay. I'll do that. That was stupid. Now I'm back to caffeine. (laughs) But you know, like everybody gives you these things. You should try. You should try this. And it's, she's got it together. She has organized her life in such a way I am implementing the blah, blah, blah. And it's going to work. It's going to work. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Because inside we're carrying around these pieces. We're carrying around our lists and we feel the need to get them in order. Something in us says it's out of order. It's wrong. Something's wrong. We do this. The Bible tells us why we do this. Genesis 3, it's called the fall. And I want you to think about something. When something falls, something precious, valuable, a treasure falls from a height and hits something hard, it breaks. It breaks. We broke. Valuable, a treasure of the Lord. We fell and we broke. And so every day is spent... I got these pieces. I don't know what to do with them. I got to fit. Somebody help me figure this out. So Paul sits in this prison cell and outside physically, he's a broken man. He's in chains. As far as society sees him broken. He's not allowed out of the house anymore. His career path over. He's a pariah. He's a social outcast. As far as the world looks at Paul, he's done, but he's not. He's not. He is being held together. Someone is holding him together, has put him back together. And his words to the Colossian believers isn't, Jesus might be able to help you. 
It isn't Jesus has a high percentage of being able to help you. He is saying Jesus Christ is a sure thing to help you. Amen. He is the one who can help you. He's answering a question that we all have, even if you don't have the courage to ask it yet, and it's this. Who can put me back together? Who can walk into my attic and say, yep, livable space will make it work. I can get you across those rafters. I can lay those boards. We'll put subfloor. We'll put up walls. We'll put a chair. We'll build a fire. We'll have dinner together. We'll hang out together. It's going to be awesome. He is the one. He is the image of the invisible God. So the one who no one can see and live, that's what the Bible tells us, the one who dwells in unapproachable light, the one who is so holy that when Isaiah saw him, he said, I'm going to die. I'm going to die if I look one more time. That God, when you look at Jesus, that's who you're looking at. And he says, sorry for the prices right theme, but come on down. <laughs> come to me. I am the one who can, when you look at Jesus, you see the invisible God. You see the artist, you see the creator, you see the owner of everything. And as the firstborn of creation, no, that doesn't mean he was created. It means he's the heir. It means he owns everything. He's the chief rank, the most important person in the room, in the world. Everything made in him, through him, for him. What does that mean about us? Made in him, through him, for him. We balk at the last one, don't we? We say, mm, I'll decide about that last one. He says, no, you won't. That's what Paul is telling. Remember where he's sitting. Remember what's around his arms and wrists and legs. Remember where he's going as far as the world thinks. Nowhere. And yet he says, he is everything. The deeper question of who can put you back together, who can fix those broken pieces and parts, who can give you a solid place to stand, the creator, the owner, the heir of all things. Do you think the one who made you can put you together and hold you together? Paul says, he's the one. He's the only one. So maybe that laid a couple of planks in your attic. Maybe. They're loose. They're not even nailed in. But they're there. You've taken a couple steps across. Huh, never stood here before. I'm, I'm maybe I'm, I'm oh, yeah, I'm tracking with Paul. I can, I can take another step. But I need a little more. You're going to have to give me some more, Paul. He says, all right. Verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church, which for us, Church in 2021 in the world is kind of like a curse word, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And some of it's legitimate. We, we have at times not put our best foot forward, right? We're human beings. But I want you to start thinking about church as something that he made that belongs to him, that he's committed to bringing home beautiful he is the head of the body, the church. Maybe the problem is because we thought we've been the head of the church. He is the beginning. Where do I start? He's the beginning. Yeah, but what do I do first? He's the beginning. He's where you start. First born from the dead, a.k.a. resurrected, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, 
all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Notice it doesn't say, for in him he was a great teacher, very kind, wore a white robe, had a lamb around his shoulders, and kids tugging at his legs. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Many of us grew up hearing about a scary, angry, upset old guy way up in the sky who doesn't like us very much. And Christianity, following Jesus, was Jesus was the kind one. He was the one who was thinking logically. He came down. He's like, I know he's angry. It's okay. I've come to tell you something else. And you imagine accepting Jesus and you get to heaven. And I like to picture these things, but just imagine there's this massive, like 200 foot tall iron gate. And this guy comes up to the gate and he's like, give me a second. He does the combination on like a hundred locks. And then he takes out this big, huge key ring and opens, 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 opens. That's the wrong one. That's the wrong. Here we go. Opens hundred locks later. And you're like, man, okay. You step through and he's like, wait a minute. Yeah. You kind of, you're doing this. Have you accepted Jesus? Yeah. Okay, fine. You can come in, but watch yourself. (laughs) We kind of have that thing. The world thinks that too. The problem, it's a distortion. It's a twisted version. It's a caricature. It's a cartoon. It's not based on what the Bible says about God. Let's just go with those three verses we read first. They're not two different people. He is the image of the invisible God. So when you're seeing Christ, you're seeing God who always was and is. Yeah, but it's still hard to get my head around. The Trinity thing is weird. Invisible God, holy God, God in the flesh. I don't know. Google and Amazon have kind of ruined things for us when it comes to buying stuff or doing stuff. We aren't just searchers on Google. We read reviews. We check for stars. How many stars does Jesus have? Is what I want to know. We look and I may send it back. If I don't like it, I'll send it back. So we ask, how's this whole thing work? How will he put me back together? How will he put me back together? So as I kind of inferred a little bit, where does it start? How does it start? At the top, at the head, at the person who is in charge of the church. Now, if you're still thinking about the imperfect form of the church, which at times it is, I want you to change it and think about family. Jesus, as the older brother, the head of the body, the head of the church, has said, I will take on me the responsibility to bring back my family. I will go get them. I will take whatever punishment is waiting for them. Father, I will go and run after them back to our family. So when you hear head of the church, I want you to think he's, he's going to bring me back to the family. 
the way it's supposed to work is not angry God where you're like, "Uh," it's you're deeply loved, you're invited, you are escorted by Jesus, your older brother. He walks in, he brings you before the father and he's like, look who I found. They're home. The prodigal sons, that story doesn't finish because the older brother doesn't do what he's supposed to do which is bring his brother back into the fold. Jesus is the older brother, the head of the body, the head of the church who comes and gets us, comes after us. And the reason we can't do this, what's the one reason we can't do this? We're broken, we're in pieces, we're separated. And oh, there's the whole death thing. It's kind of permanent. You're not gonna make it past the death thing. So Jesus says, I'll handle it. He handles the death thing. He is the firstborn of the dead. He's resurrected, conquers death. He's the starting place. Because without Jesus, there's no resurrection. Who can do this? Who's the only person who can do this? Who can live a perfect life? Is there anybody in this room that is without sin? I actually had a pastor years ago who wrongly, and even then I was a youth pastor, But he actually, it was heresy, it was this place, but he said, yeah, I'm at this place now where I'm not sinning anymore. Mm. (laughs) There's a real big problem when I realized he was teaching my students leaders. We're sitting in this group and he started saying this stuff and I was like, "Ah, oh, he's an older guy and I, one that I trusted in relationship. And I was like, what the, like, you know, those moments when you're, that doesn't seem right. I remember I asked him afterwards, what are you talking about? Because no, well, look at this, like this with, you know, trying to show some verses to it. And, and in my heart, I was like, man, that doesn't seem right. So it was no surprise to me years later when I found out he was cheating on his wife. Oh, no. Nobody, nobody can live the perfect life, sinless, except for Jesus. And the fact that he's God and he is raised from the dead, firstborn from the dead. Because in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. It had to be God himself. Who killed Jesus? I've answered this before. It pleased the father to send him to die. God sent him to die. He even tells Pilate, I was born for this purpose. I'm not getting out of it. He didn't just die. He loved you, his eternal love for you. And the fact that you were separated from his family compelled him to the cross. He died in order to reconcile to himself all things. Remember the all things? There it is again. Five times, all things, all things, all things, all things, all things. To reconcile to himself all things. How will he do it? One way, only one way. Peace by the blood of his cross. Peace by the blood of his cross, the cross of Jesus, pulls us back together. I'm going to finish with this. Japanese pottery, kintsugi, I hope I said that right, is the art of taking broken pottery, which as Americans were like, throw it away. Give me a new one. I'm on Amazon. That one didn't last. (laughs) You know, we're searching. If you listen to people talk about this, you can look it up. Kintsugi means golden joinery, literally to be put back together with gold. And what they believe is that the pieces tell a story. The pieces have history. The pieces are what makes the thing the thing. Jesus 
doesn't get rid of you. He takes your pieces. He takes your struggling across the rafters of faith and pulls you together with golden joinery, more beautiful than you were before, highlighting your scars, highlighting the broken parts with his scars. Nail marks to remind you that you are imprinted on the palms of his hands so that you can be found in Jesus. Simple six verses, Paul sitting in a prison. Many of us would be like, I wouldn't write that in a prison. I'd be yelling at the guy that I'm chained to. But he was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that we could read it today and hear his heart for us and celebrate him. So I want to pray. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And here it is. You want the best illustration for what we're talking about? It's going to be you. It's going to be you saying, you know what? It's time. It's time to make a public profession of Jesus. And as I said, we have everything that you're going to need. So you don't, don't worry about not having clothes and we got combs and all that kind of stuff. Um, everything that you would need. There's no excuses as far as that goes. What we're going to have is a team in the back. And all we're asking is for you to take a step of obedience. Because you may be like, well, maybe I should have done like what those people did, the planned people, and then they get the picture and everything like that. Don't wait. Don't wait. If the Lord's saying, hey, you've never publicly proclaimed. You're, you're proclaiming something that is a reality in your heart. You're walking up here to say, yeah, I've been joined. My pieces have been joined by the blood of the cross. I look better now than I was before because of Jesus. This is a way to say, I want to tell everybody. I want to publicly proclaim that I know him. As you go to the back, and it'll be right back there, um, you just go back and just say, hey, this is what I want to do. They may ask you a couple questions just to see where you are, um, to see if you understand what you're doing. And then they'll lead you and show you all the stuff you got. And we're just going to sing. And here's what I'm going to tell you. It's 1120. At 11.40, I'm going to come back up here and I'm going to give a five-minute last call for those who are stalling. <laughs> right? To say, okay, 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 fine. So you may be one of those and that's okay um, because we've got other stuff to do out there. And we actually have another opportunity for you to publicly proclaim your faith in Jesus as we have lunch together. Um, but I wanna pray. And if, if for you right now, maybe you are thinking, you know what? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I don't think he's in my house at all. He's not my house at all. I've never believed that about Jesus. I've never believed enough in my own brokenness to think that I needed to be fixed by him. So I want you to consider and just praying with me. And I'm just going to pray through something that I wrote based on what the Lord was saying today. So let's pray. I encourage you to pray this in your heart. Jesus, creator of all things. I am in pieces. Broken by my sin. But if what that guy is saying is true, you apparently are the glue. 
You're my older brother. You're my advocate. You're my friend. You are the one who allowed your life to be torn into pieces for me. So here are my pieces. They belong to you. I'm believing, I'm trusting. You're the only one who has the authority and the ability to put me back together. Lord, we pray for your spirit and only your spirit to prompt people to respond. If you prayed that prayer or some version of it today, may I encourage you to consider publicly professing that faith by getting baptized. Or if you've known the Lord for a while, <clears throat> excuse me, and you have felt like you've just shoved him away in the attic or maybe not even anywhere near your house, you just keep him in the church building and you sense him laying down some subfloor in your heart and you want to publicly profess your love for him, your belief in his love for you, his perfect work on the cross, his resurrection, then respond. Lord, let your spirit move. We'll trust you. Lord, if no one comes forward, that's fine. Uh, God, we believe even as, as I was a, a young boy <clears throat> learning how to be a man and as I read these words that my mom made me read, <laughs> you did something. You started to do something. You were laying a foundation in my heart. And I pray, God, we trust you, Jesus. You are the one we adore. You are the one that we love. You're the one that we want to see exalted in this place. So Jesus, we ask that you would reveal yourself to the people in this room uh, in your timing. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.